Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time, it's time for the Rip City Drive. The Rip City Drive with Travis Demers and Chad Dewing on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. Good afternoon, a happy Wednesday to you, the 15th day of November 2017. Did Caleb Swanigan all of a sudden become a 66-year-old football coach from the South? You know, it's funny, you had that sneeze during the update yesterday, which was comedy. That right there was just an epic fail on my part. Wrong soundbite. I don't know where my mind is at, and that could be a bad omen. I think with the fact that I just screwed that up royally to start the show, maybe that means the Blazers are going to lose tonight. That was an epic fail. It's like, wait a second. And it took me a couple of seconds. I was like, that's that's Nick Saban. I set you up to hear Caleb Swanigan. My bad. Wow. Not a good way to start the show, Trav. But, Chad, the good news is the only place to go from here is up. Not in my only, case. We can only get better. You can you can be worse? Yes. Really? Yes, I can. All right. So hopefully I can turn the ship around and get things moving in the right direction. We'll see what happens. Let's get to college football. Since you played Nick Saban, why don't we piggyback off of that? Off it's a good the, start. Yeah, let's do that. The college football playoff standings came out yesterday with Alabama number one, Clemson two, Miami three, and your Oklahoma Sooners four. One of the interesting things has Wisconsin ahead of uh, Auburn at five and six. But did the committee get it right, in your opinion, one through four? I think so. I mean, right now, I would say that those are probably the four teams you look at that should be there. I think Auburn is still one of the best teams in the country, but I have no issue with the top four. I think the biggest thing that jumped out to me, Travis, is that you have two teams with two losses that still have a legitimate shot to get into the final four with Ohio State and Auburn. And I think the pathway for Ohio State, this is the biggest thing that came to my mind. If Auburn and Ohio State went out, I think the Buckeyes will get in. But aside from the top four, no issues whatsoever. I think you expected Bama to be number one. Yeah. And I expected Bama to be number one. And I think they got the four right. And so far through three weeks, I think the committee's been all right. The only thing different that I had was flip-flopping Miami and Clemson. But Kirby Hocutt, who is the... Texas Tech AD and the executive director of the selection committee. He talked about it last night, and he is very, very high on Clemson. They look at the the loss to Syracuse as kind of a, a, a throwaway game because Kelly Bryant got hurt in the second quarter, missed most of that game. And you'll see the, a very similar thing with the college basketball selection committee. If somebody is injured, uh, like, like the year that Kenyon Martin got hurt for Cincinnati, right? And they were the number one team in the country. Well, they weren't a number one seed because of that, even though they didn't lose any games. They look at your team and they say, well, this guy was hurt then or this guy's hurt now, and they adjust accordingly to that. So for Oklahoma, right, you know, knock on wood for you and your Sooners, if Baker Mayfield goes out and gets hurt, they're not going to put Oklahoma in because they're not the same team. So the committee looked at that and says, well, Clemson has more wins over teams that are that have winning records than anybody else in college football, anybody, not just in the top four. The only game that they lost was when their quarterback was injured. So they're as good as anybody not named an undefeated Alabama, if not better. 
Yes, I think the other team could maybe have a bit of an argument would be Oklahoma. Their three wins against Ohio State, TCU, and Oklahoma State, all three of those teams were inside the top 13. Those are three quality wins, but I have no issue with Oklahoma being at four because I've seen them play. They obviously, the committee didn't like their loss to Iowa State at home, and their defense has been questionable at best throughout the entire season. So, yeah, I think they got it right. The one area where I was wrong, and you nailed on this, Wisconsin being number five ahead of Auburn, even though their resume so far maybe hasn't been as good as some other teams that are up there near the top. I think people would enjoy the conversations you and I have before the show about this kind of thing because we have very, very differing opinions on where Wisconsin should be. The one thing that we don't differ on, though, is that on paper and what we've seen, that Wisconsin is not one of the four best football teams in the country. But there is also a fine line between best team and most deserving. Yeah, and I think that's where maybe I need your help, Trav. I, the biggest issue I have with the committee and the fact that you only have four slots for a playoff, my own desire is I want the four best teams. The four best teams in the playoff at the end of the season, regardless of record or where they came from. I just want the committee to find the four best. And so I struggle with the fact that I look at a team like Wisconsin or some of these other teams that have a legitimate chance. And I knew Wisconsin was going to be in the mix before the year you began because of their schedule. You nailed it. Well, I, the, the, the reason why I struggle so much with that is because I do not believe that Wisconsin is one of the four best teams in the country. And yet here they are with a legitimate chance to make their way into the playoff based on their schedule and the way things have lined up for them. So I don't like that. I just want the four best teams but I realize that there are challenges for the committee when you only have four slots to give away. Right, and, and I, I agree it should be the four best teams, but there's also a fine line with that because right now I absolutely believe Auburn is one of the four best teams in the country. I was really high on them before the season started. I love on Johnson. I love what they can do on both sides of the football, Chad. But if Auburn loses by one point to Alabama, and it's a very close game, or by three points, or something freakish happens at the end and Auburn loses. Is Auburn a worse football team? No. They just happen to lose to the number one team in the country. They're still one of the four best teams in the country at that point, but with three losses, they're absolutely not deserving. So is it the four best or the four most deserving at that point? This is the way that the selection committee looks at it. This is from the College Football Playoff website. The selection committee ranks the teams based on the members' evaluation of the team's performance on the field using conference championships won, strength of schedule, head-to-head results, and comparison of results against common opponents to decide among teams that are comparable. Nowhere in that does it say the four most deserving teams. Nowhere in that does it say the four best teams. There really is very vague guidelines on what the selection committee should do. So if you have somebody... Let's say Rob Mullins, who is on the selection committee, the athletic director at the University of Oregon, says, you know what? I'm putting in the four best teams. I don't care what the win-loss is. Alabama's got two losses. I'm putting them in ahead of Wisconsin. I've seen both these teams, and Alabama's clearly better. Maybe that's how he looks it. Maybe Jeff Long, who is the athletic director at Arkansas, well, maybe. I heard he just got fired today. He's on the selection committee. Maybe he says, yeah, you know what? Best team, Schmess team. I want to see who the most forward-deserving teams are. This team won all their games. How can you keep them out? And you've got 13 people on that committee that are going to look at things 13 different ways. You and I have very different opinions on that. That doesn't mean if we were on the selection committee that we have to think the same way. We wouldn't. You get an aggregate thought and, and combination of what everybody thinks. You put it together, and that's where the four best come from. 
And I'm glad that they don't have rigid guidelines for how they select teams because I don't want them stuck with teams that win their conference championship because we both know that just because you don't win your conference championship, how things line up, it doesn't mean you're not deserving or one of the best teams in college football. But when it comes to Wisconsin, they're a unique team this year because of their schedule and the way things have played out. I'm just not going to be okay with Wisconsin getting in, and I don't believe they're one of the four best teams. I don't think they're one of the four most deserving teams. I'm just not going to be happy if the Badgers went out and get in and somebody else is going to get left out because I think any reasonable college football fan would be able to look at the top four and know that Wisconsin doesn't belong in that mix. See, would you consider me a reasonable college football fan? Yeah. I think Wisconsin would belong in that mix. If they go through the season undefeated. That's not what I said. Do you think they're one of the four best teams in the country? No, I don't. Okay, that's, I, that was my point. Any reasonable college football fan would be able to look at okay. it and say, that's not one of the four best teams in the country. And based on what I'm looking for, I want the four best teams. So if Wisconsin gets in, I'm not going to be happy because I know they don't measure up with Clemson or Bama or Oklahoma or any of the other teams up there at the top. Right. So you're looking for the four best. Yes. I'm looking for the four most deserving teams. And if Alabama loses to Auburn next Saturday, they're not one of the four most deserving teams, and Alabama is likely going to be left out. Well, my question for you would be this. How is Wisconsin one of the four most deserving if they went out based on the fact that they haven't played a very rigid schedule? And well, they, had, they, they got to avoid Penn State and Ohio State in their conference schedule. In the conference schedule, yes. But they won every single one of their games, which is difficult to do. And they didn't play anyone out of conference worth a darn either. No, they didn't. BYU had a down year. You know what? To too bad. It, it is what it is. But how does that fit the mold of most deserving? No, that's what I'm trying to figure out. They won their conference championship in a Power 5 conference. They beat Ohio State, who has been in the playoffs two of the last three years and most people think is one of the four or five best teams in the country. That is a very good win. And you'll have a couple of teams over uh, wins over teams that are ranked in the bottom part of the top 25. So you won all your games. You won a power conference. You beat Ohio State on a neutral site. You beat Michigan. You beat a decent Northwestern team. You win all of your games, 13 of them, in a power conference. Even if your schedule isn't difficult, to me, that is deserving enough to be in, depending on what everybody else does. Because you still have Clemson and Miami playing each other. If Miami wins out, they'll be in. If Alabama wins out, they'll be in. Well, what happens if Georgia beats Alabama in the conference championship game. And you've got a one-loss Georgia who won their conference championship and an Alabama team whose only loss came to that Georgia team and they were 12-0 and in the regular season. That's really my big question moving forward. How is the committee going to view those type of scenarios with a one-loss Bama or a one-loss Georgia against teams like Wisconsin? That's one thing I'm going to keep an eye on. But one thing I know for sure, Auburn and Ohio State both have a chance to break the mold this year and give us our first two-loss team in the playoff. All right, coming up next, we're going to catch up with Rob Rang, senior analyst at NFLDraftScout.com. A lot of things to get to with him. Chad, you want to know about Baker Mayfield. Yes, I'm looking for the next quarterback of the Broncos. I hope it's in the form of Baker Mayfield. We'll find out if he's got what it takes to get it done on the next level. We'll get to that next. you got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad, and you're home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, back to the show with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. He's a senior analyst at NFLDraftScout.com. 
phenomenal site. He is on Twitter at Rob Rang, and he joins us right now. Rob, good afternoon. Appreciate your time. What is your take on the Bills' decision to bench Tyrod Taylor in favor of Nathan Peterman at this point of the season? Well, I, I, was, I was surprised by the decision. Um, you know, I thought that, that it was interesting that Sean McDermott, the, of course, the head coach in Buffalo, you know, he came from Carolina where he was defensive coordinator. And, of course, he had a, um, you know, a, a dual threat quarterback in Cam Newton. I, I liked the marriage between he and Tyrod Taylor because I thought that this would be an offense that, that kind of fits in with what he's used to. Steven Peterman, on the other hand, I mean, this is a little bit more of a of a classic drop-back passer. He is a very intelligent quarterback. Um, he is a guy that has the accuracy, I believe, to be successful in the NFL. But at the same time, I just don't see the weapons in Buffalo, other than LaShawn McCoy. Obviously, they made the big trade there to get Kelvin Benjamin from Carolina, who, again, of course, Sean McDermott's going to know very well. But at the same time, I don't know if this is a position uh, that, that, that Sean Peterman can be successful in. And so I thought it was surprising. I think that the, the Bills would have been better served in just sticking with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, but at the same time, you're a young coach. He doesn't have any allegiance to Tyrod Taylor. And you would like to know what you have in the fold already with Peterman. Um, that way, if you are indeed looking to get a quarterback this next year, um, then, then you might do so. I just wasn't anticipating this happening this early in the season when the Buffalo Bills sitting there at 5-4 and four are obviously very much in contention for an AFC playoff berth. You mentioned next year, and that's what I want to know about Peterman because of where he was drafted. Are they just are, are they trying to see if if he's good enough to be the quarterback of the future, or see what's out there with this deep quarterback class? I think that they are. Um, you know, when you look at this quarterback class, it's one that is really, really, really big on talent. I don't know how polished it is yet. I mean, we're, we're seeing some of these guys. I mean, you know, I, I still believe that Sam Darnold, the young quarterback, redshirt sophomore from USC, is far and away the best quarterback prospect. And Josh Rosen from UCLA is right there. Um, but he has some, some questions about his leadership potential. How well is he going to be able to, to come into the NFL? So I think that's what this comes down to. I think we're going to see more and more clubs do this that they are going to look and see what they have in the fold right now and therefore how much time should they dedicate to this upcoming quarterback class you know with peterman this is a guy who started his career at the university of tennessee transferred to university of pittsburgh um he does have some cold weather experience obviously playing at Pitt, um and again comes from a pro style offense so it should be a little bit quicker acclimation to the pro game than a lot of these young quarterbacks, but he is very different than what they already have in Tyrod Taylor. He's athletic enough to get some yards if, if defenses just forget about him, but he's not going to make people miss as a true dual threat passer. And he doesn't have the elite arm strength that Tyrod Taylor does to be able to take full advantage of a Kelvin Benjamin uh, streaking down the field as, as defenses are kind of forced to play back a little bit. To, you know, and Buffalo's offense obviously is, is built all around the shot. McCoy um, and so that that to me is, is the question is, is Buffalo looking to you know really rally around Peterman um, or are they looking to uh, you know to evaluate him so they can see where they fit in for next year's quarterback class I think it's the latter that they are looking to evaluate what they already have in the fold to see how much they should be investing into the future it's Rob Ring NFLDraftScout.com here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad I am a Broncos fan they are a dumpster fire right now how what is the best way for Elway and company to handle that quarterback situation they have moving forward? That's a great question. You know, I, 
I would never have been a big fan of Paxton Lynch. Going back to, you know, his days at Memphis, I saw a quarterback who, who frankly reminds me of some of the young, talented quarterbacks that we have coming down the pike now in that there is the arm strength, there's the size, there is the athletic ability. I just didn't see a lot of instincts at the quarterback position uh, from Paxton Lynch. And so that's my big question is, is, are you going, is the Denver Broncos going to take a, a page out of what we were just discussing with the Buffalo Bills and see what they have in the fold with Paxton Lynch, maybe push him onto the field um, before he is ready, just to see what you have. Because clearly Trevor Simeon is not the answer, not long-term, not looking to win Super Bowls, like obviously Denver Bronco fans and specifically John Elway is looking to do. I, I'm, I think that Brock Osweiler kind of is what he is. I think that he is a fledgling starter, a guy that can get you a couple of wins, but if you are going to give him the big contract, as obviously the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns did, then I think that you're going to be disappointed. But he has a lot of physical traits that Paxton Lynch has, and I think he's actually a more instinctive player. That's why I wasn't surprised when he wound up getting some, some playing time here um, in you know, round two in Denver. Again, with Paxton Lynch, that to me is the big question. I wouldn't be surprised to see Vance Joseph push him onto the field um, because they want to know what, the, what, the, what they have with Paxton Lynch. That said, if the rumors are true and, uh, and you have Vance Joseph, who might be only one and done there one year in Denver and maybe is not going to be there for long term, then he might be scared about his own job. And if he hasn't seen Paxton Lynch showing on the practice field that he can be successful, then he certainly is going to want to push him onto, you know, the, the actual game itself. So that to me is one of the more fascinating stories in the entire NFL um, is what the Denver Broncos are looking to do at the quarterback position because obviously they cannot compete the way the, thing, the roster is currently set up, at least the quarterback position. I agree, and that leads me to the draft. I want your take on Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma. Does he have a chance to be a star or maybe that next undersized guy like a Russell Wilson or um, one of these other quarterbacks that we've seen come through that could have success? What's your take on Baker? Well, Baker Mayfield is an interesting player. I believe that he can be successful in the NFL as a starting quarterback if an offense is willing to dedicate their entire strategy around what makes Baker Mayfield special, and that being that he does have some of that dual threat ability. He does have not necessarily as a, as a classic scrambler, but his ability to improvise, exactly what makes Russell Wilson so special, is one of the things that really stands out about Baker Mayfield. That said, he is coming from a spread offense, and in the Big 12, they can't even spell defense, so you really don't get a good feel for you know, how well is he going to be able to acclimate when he's playing against true NFL-caliber defenses that you know, don't just release wide receivers to run free in the downfield the way he has in Oklahoma. And so that's my concern with him. That's why I'd be really excited to see him at a senior bowl and things like that, where he would get an opportunity to, to show what he can do. Just like some of the other quarterbacks who are the top senior guys, um, like a Luke Falk of Washington State, like a Mason Rudolph of Oklahoma State. Again, coming from those spread offenses, with the exception of Jared Goff right now, which we're seeing him kind of grow up before our eyes with the, the Rams, you know, we, of course, have not seen a quarterback who has made that successful transition from a true spread to the NFL. So, to me, that's where the, what this comes down to is the fact that with Baker Mayfield, he has the talent, he has the velocity, he has the accuracy, um, he has the leadership and all those things that you look at the quarterback position. I really focus on five things. I call them the five A's, accuracy, anticipation, arm strength, uh, athletic ability, and then I want a little bit of arrogance. I want a little bit of a, of a jerk mentality at the quarterback position. He has all those things. 
He's just a little bit short. And so those things, I think that size can be among the most overrated elements when it comes to quarterback play. And that, therefore, I do believe that Baker Mayfield can be successful in the NFL. But I do believe that it also is going to require a creative offensive coordinator who is going to be willing to, to, to cater their play calling around what Baker Mayfield does best. Rob, I've, I've looked at a lot of mock drafts in the last few weeks from all over the place. Some of them, they, almost all of them have a quarterback going number one. But if it's not Donald, I've seen Lamar Jackson. I've seen Josh Rosen. Uh, I've even seen some people have uh, Mason Rudolph as the number one overall quarterback. So if Donald decides not to go to the NFL and stay at USC, is it Josh Rosen or, or is it a little bit more wide open of who the best quarterback in this class will be? Well, I think that in terms of just pure talent, then it's, it's, it's Josh Rosen. And then there's a significant drop-off after that. Lamar Jackson is exciting. We just haven't yet seen a quarterback that, that plays the game as he does, so reliant on his mobility to be successful long-term. I think there's going to be a lack of teams in the top five that are going to be willing to roll the dice that they can be the one to take a, a very talented, but at the same time, very raw passer like Lamar Jackson, make him the number one overall. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Selection. But at the same time, I think there's going to be some arguments for that, for the same case with, with Josh Rosen, because he does come with some of those red flags in terms of leadership. Uh, and does he have the traits that you're looking for as the field general, uh, you know, that you want to invest the number one overall selection? In terms of just pure accuracy and arm strength, I have Josh Rosen as the number one most gifted quarterback in this draft class, even ahead of Sam Darnold. There, there are throws that Josh Rosen makes where he is peddling backwards, where he has all kinds of, of people in his face, where he, he throws the ball into coverage and through a tight window. And he can make throws that there's only a handful of NFL quarterbacks who would be willing to take that risk and make those types of throws. That said, I still see some Jake Cutler in him. I, I see the guy who is willing to take those tin cup kind of shots down the field, but at the same time is going to pass up the easy 
third down and five type of throws. That really is what leads to success in the NFL, the consistency. And so I have questions about Josh Rosen's durability. I have questions about his leadership skills. But in terms of raw talent, if he is the top quarterback in this draft class, if Sam Darnold does not come out early, and, of course, he has two years of eligibility remaining if he chooses to use them, then I do believe that Josh Rosen would be the favorite to be the first quarterback selected, perhaps even as early as number one overall. But, of course, if you have a team like the Cleveland Browns seeing there at number one, who knows what they're going to do. The top player in this draft is Saquon Barkley. But as you mentioned, I mean, teams are going to generally go with the quarterback position. And I think that really this is a conversation between Sam Darnold, who, again, I have as the number one quarterback and number one player in this draft class. But at the same time, Josh Rosen is that much more gifted, but that much more of a role that it's going to be imperative that he is impressive during the, the combine uh, in the interview sessions with coaches because that's the biggest concern that people have about him is does he have the want to to be great in the NFL? Is Barkley still the number one running back even though the struggle of the last couple of weeks or is Bryce Love or a guy like Carrion Johnson starting to challenge him for that spot? Well, I think that in my opinion, Bryce Love is a very good player. He's a better college player than I think he's going to be an NFL guy. I think in the NFL, when you have a player, he's you know, built like he is, that 5'9", 5'10", 190-pound range, maybe getting all the way up to 200, but still, he's not 210, he's not 220. We're seeing even a great Christian McCaffrey is just now starting to be successful in Carolina, and that's an offense that's built around the, the, the running game and then the short passing game in which he could be so successful. I, I think that Bryce Love is a, is a good player who will also be good in the NFL, but isn't necessarily a bell cow running back. Where Saquon Barkley, in my opinion, is absolutely in the class of the Ezekiel Elliott, the Leonard Fournette, the Todd Gurley, the top five caliber prospects that we've seen come down the pike over the last several years. I think that he's going to come into the NFL and be a superstar immediately. And so, therefore, in my opinion, the difference between Saquon Barkley, Terry Johnson, good player in Auburn, um, there's some good running backs this year. Uh, you know, but at the same time, the difference between Barkley and the rest of the running backs, in my opinion, is a pretty significant drop. On Twitter, at Rob Ring, NFLDraftScout.com. Rob, we always love the education, man. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll catch up soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, as always. Well, Travis, he solved an issue for me. I know what I want John Elway to do. You go out, you draft Baker Mayfield, and then you find a veteran through trade or free agency, maybe a Tyrod Taylor, or if Eli Manning or uh, Philip Rivers is available, you make the move to capitalize on what you have with the defense right now to make a run. But I want Baker Mayfield. I know he's undersized, but we've seen it now with Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Not your typical NFL prototype quarterbacks, but I want guys who can make plays. I want guys with that moxie. I want someone with big balls to go out there and lead my team. A few weeks ago, I floated the idea to you for, for Baker Mayfield to Denver. And to me, it, it makes perfect sense because for a guy like Baker Mayfield to have success, going to a team like Cleveland isn't going to do anything for him. And really, you could say that about any of these quarterbacks coming out. But for Baker Mayfield, I think for him going to a team that's already established and somewhat successful, it, it doesn't – it puts pressure on him because he has to win. But at the same time, he doesn't have to do everything. Where he would in Cleveland, uh, he would in San Francisco, he wouldn't have to do those things in Denver because they do have a good, strong running game. They do have some issues in the offensive line, but they have a very good defense. And with what he does and the playmakers they have – you can improvise with that offense. Yeah, and the big problem I have with Paxton Lynch, number one, the biggest reason why he's not in the field right now is because he doesn't know the playbook. And I think with some of these quarterbacks, the reason why I like a guy like Baker, he's ultra-competitive, Trav. So if he's in a competition to get out there in the field and play, 
He's going to do everything in his power to prepare, to study, to do all the work to get himself out there on the field. Paxton Lynch, two straight years, he's been in a quarterback battle with Trevor Simeon, and he's bowed out because he didn't get the job done and take on that task of being a starter in the NFL. It takes a special type of guy to lead an NFL franchise. And at least I know this, Baker Mayfield has got the, the uh, makeup to be competitive and to be that alpha to go out there and lead a team. Can you explain to me how the hell Paxton Lynch doesn't know the playbook by now? He's not putting in the time. You know, I, I think being an NFL quarterback. That's embarrassing. It is. It really is, especially when you move up in the draft to get him in the first round. It's like, take it seriously, you fool. Go out there and study and work. You just got beat out by Paxton Lynch, or excuse me, Trevor Simeon, twice. Where's your pride? Where's your competitive fire? NFL quarterbacks, the best ones, are ultra competitive. And if they lose a battle, they get pissed. But with Paxton Lynch, it's like, oh, well, heads up in the clouds. It's like, dude, you just got beat by Simeon twice. Where, where are you at? What you doing? You're a first-round pick, and you got all the physical tools. You know, it just goes to show you, man, when you roll the dice on a quarterback in the draft, it's a dicey proposition. It's dangerous. See, that's why the Browns are smart not to ever roll the dice in the quarterback <laughs> in the first round. You might be right. They might just be better off saying, you know what? We we suck at this. Maybe Elway does, too. It's like, well, I drafted Simeon in the seventh round. No big deal. I drafted Brock Osweiler, and then, last, and then a couple years ago, I moved over to get Paxton Lynch. We're not taking a QB. I can't do it. Just admit it, man. It's like, yeah, we stink at this. We're going to go defense. Somebody's going to get Baker Mayfield in the late teens or the 20s and he's eventually going to be their quarterback, and they're going to love him. I, one other, I just hope he doesn't end up in New England. One other question I have for you. I um, I think Nathan Peterman's got a chance to be a very good quarterback based on what I've read about him and, and what people have told me about him, but I don't know. I'm just surprised the Bills made a move today at this point in the season because even with the loss to, to uh, the Saints, they're 5-4. and four. They're a surprise team. They've exceeded expectation, and they're in contention for – a wild card berth, and now you're going to go to a quarterback without experience. I would say the chances of them making the playoffs now, um, not so good. And maybe that's a clear indication that it's like, look, Tyrod's not a part of our future. It's Peterman. But I, I don't understand the move completely. I don't know why you do it now. I mean, you look at the last couple of games for the Bills. You can make the case that going on the road on a Thursday night is never a really good judge of anything. No, not for anyone. Anybody at all. So can you really judge Tyrod Taylor on the defense, giving up 34 points to the New York Jets. I don't think you can. He still threw for 285 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks in that game, and ran for the team's only touchdown. And against the Saints, their defense gave up 300 yards rushing. 300 yards to the Saints. And, the and one six touchdowns in the ground. And the one thing I respect about Tyrod, maybe he's not dynamic, and maybe he's not making the plays you want, but he's protected the football. He's only got three picks this year. In That's very career, effective. In his career, Chad, 47 touchdowns, 17 picks. You don't make mistakes. They are not. They didn't lose those last couple of games because Tyrod Taylor screwed up. They lost those games because their defense was atrocious. I mean, their, their losses this year, they gave up nine points in a loss to the Carolina Panthers, and they lost to the Bengals on the road 20-16 to 16 in the last two weeks. You look at the rest of their schedule. At the Chargers, at the Chiefs, Patriots at home, Colts at home, Dolphins at home, at New England, at Miami. This team could win 10 games if they had a, if they had the quarterback that they wanted. And I think Tyrod Taylor is more ready to win today, and that could be a 10-win football team. Yeah. I You know, if you're a Denver fan, you expect Super Bowl, you're 3-6, and six, just tank the rest of the year. But if you're Buffalo at 5-4 and four, and you've got a chance to go to the playoffs – 
you know, that's why this move is surprising to me. You know when the last time the Bills played in a playoff game was? I want to say it was back. Was it the Music City Miracle? Yes. That was the last playoff game the Buffalo Bills played in, in the 2000 99. season. Yeah. Or was it 99? I think it was the 99. I think that was the 99 yeah. season. Yeah, January 2000. You're right. So it's been, what, 18 years since you've been in the playoffs. Every other team has been in the playoffs since the last time the Buffalo Bills did. They're the Mariners of the NFL. Make the damn playoffs. Yeah, you would think so. Eric, what you got, bud? I'm actually just going to go the opposite way with this. Not necessarily what I believe because I'm a fan of Tyrod Taylor. I think that he's done a pretty nice job over there, and I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does. But I forgot that Nathan Peterman was on that team, and I will say that he is one of the best quarterbacks I ever saw in college. And a guy I trust in how he evaluates quarterbacks he says that the three top-rated quarterbacks that he has ever seen are, did more for their team, I should say, is probably a better way to put it. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Nathan Peterman. Guys who just elevated their game. He's a down-field passer. I think that offensively, this could really work. And I honestly think you could have a Georgia Mark Rick situation. Where- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's just perfect for both sides. Everyone gets better because they move on. Did you like Peterman in college, Trav? Yeah, I did. I mean, he wasn't terribly accurate, but he didn't have great playmakers around him. I think he only completed about 60%, 61% of his passes, but he got better every year. Does it say something about Butch Jones that he couldn't recognize his talent? And I think he only started like six games or something there. But he goes up to Pittsburgh, and look how bad Pitt is this year. They're, I think, 4-6 and six right now. The quarterback made that team last year. What's the game plan when you're 0-10? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk with Bruce Barnum, head coach at Portland State, up next. It's Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. On your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio 620. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Now, back to the show on Rip City Radio. The Portland State Vikings looking ahead to their final game of the season Saturday when they take on Eastern Washington and Cheney. And joining us once again, the coach of the Vikings, Bruce Barnum. Coach, great to talk to you, my friend. How are you? Hey, Travis, Chad, been better, been worse. Uh, you know, we've uh, got some evaluation to do after our uh, final uh, talk at the, the drive, the, the three of us. Uh, but we'll, I'll get cranked up right after this game. Uh, we're going to try to win a game. Saturday over there, the big rival game, and uh, get after it Sunday morning. It's a really tough way to end your season with two really, really good opponents with Weber State last week and then Eastern Washington this week. So knowing how things went last week against a really good team, what can you do in the short time between last week and this week to be better against Eastern Washington? You know, Travis, this game, uh, there's been years that uh, we've been down, or Portland State's been down, Eastern's been up. This is always a close football game. Now, I think it will be again. You know, we, we were up a couple of years ago. We're over there, and we're already headed to the playoffs, and that was a tight game. We had to 
put together a, a six-minute, seven-minute drive at the end of the game to win it. So all these kids know each other. You know, a lot of them are from – most of them, are, they're all from the Northwest pretty much. A few, you know, Southern Cal or California guys scattered. And the coaches know each other. So it's it's usually one heck of a battle. Hey, Coach, what is the plan moving forward? Because in, in the midst of a, a brutal season where you haven't been able to get the wins – I mean, what is that pathway moving forward as you get ready to uh, continue the rebuild as you move into next season? Uh, it's going to start. Uh, it's already started with me, uh, Chad. I'm about six months ahead in my mind right now. But, you know, I, I'm grateful uh, that the administration here, uh, they've decided, to, you know, in two more years, these will be all my guys here, all my recruits. Um, and they've decided to let that happen. Uh, so that makes – uh, my staff, at least, probably, you know, a sigh of relief. But uh, with me, it's just more sense of urgency. You know, uh, I'm going to make sure uh, we do this right. And there are mistakes. I'll start with our mistakes as coaches. And, again, I'm already on it. I'm evaluating the program. and I'm not going to say, obviously, too much but uh, about the personal side of it, the coach's side. But there's a lot to fix, obviously. Um, when you don't win a football game yet, we still have one more opportunity. I thought we'd be down, but not the donut. How's that? How is the conversations between you and your coaches, you know, with the staff as you continue to work through this? As a leader, um, I know I have to rally them. Um, I sat them down last week because uh, I think that was our worst football game, you know, uh, of this year. And that was disappointing to me. I said, enough. I mean, we look like the bad news bears. No more. I said, here's our jobs. Uh, we, You as a coordinator, you as a position coach, me as a head coach, we need to put something better on the field. That's that's any business. you know. So got after them uh, last Sunday. Uh, that's unacceptable. And uh, that's where we're at, though. You know, when you don't win games, um, the things that are usually hidden or get under the rug or this complaint doesn't come out when you're winning. Uh, when you're losing, you know, the, the, the sky is falling. But me as a leader, i got to make sure uh, that doesn't overtake this program. Uh, and that's where I'm at. Bruce Barnum is with us on the Rip City Drive. Coach, um, you mentioned it was your worst game of the season. It was a 63-17 game, and you guys got a late touchdown. You were still fighting there towards the end, but – after the game, and, and this is something that, that you really had to deal with every week, how do you continue to keep your players' spirits up the best you can? Well, this one's, I wouldn't say easy, but this one is a little predictable. Uh, I've got a group of seniors who are going to walk away from the game for the, uh, their final game. You know, uh, Yes, we have four people on this team that uh, the NFL might take into a camp. We don't have any drafts, but I'll, I'll try to get those guys into a camp and give them that opportunity. But when it's your last game, uh, when you know it's over and you've been playing since Pop Warner or Pee Wee football, motivation, honestly, if you love the game, um, is not a problem. Uh, so I told the coaches we're going to take everything we've done uh, this season well, and that's what we're going to give them so there's no thinking on the football field. And offense, defense, special teams can just go out there uh, and play. Quit, you know, outthinking ourselves. Give them a simple game plan and watch them roll, see what happens. When you look ahead to next year with some of the young guys that you have, where are the biggest strides that this team can improve and where can you expect to be better on the field next year? 
Well, as a coach, there's a couple uh, holes, you know, in recruiting. I'm still trying to even out the classes uh, from, you know, the prior regime. Um, some of our, our our classes got uneven uh, as far as position-wise. I'm going to have to fix offensive line and safeties right now are our, you know, big need. You know, and there's people calling us with, oh, I have the greatest tailback in the Northwest. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I need a lineman. You know, the needs aren't as spread out as they usually are. Uh, but that'll be the start. We have to recruit, fill the holes. And honestly, the if you see the personality and the we recruited winners in those classes, that was one of the criteria when we brought the, these, this young, these young groups in. And when you see them and talk to them, I'm excited for that meeting on Sunday. Uh, they're already talking about it, and I'm talking about the guys who aren't playing right now. Their role is a, a scout uh, guy. Um, they're excited. They're excited to get going next year, and that's cool to see. Who are you going to miss from this team? I miss every one of them. My players, yeah. every one of them. Whether they like me or not, you know, if they've given uh, to this program, and again, I've, I've only been the head coach for two and a half years, three seasons, but I'll miss every one of them. I'll, I'll do anything. Any student athlete that's gone through this program and uh, given, you know, what they give, I'll do anything for them for the rest of my life. And, they, you know, it's different. You coach this sport, these kids come to um, college, any college, any sport. It's not like a, a professor on campus. You're with these student-athletes all the time, six to seven days a week. Um, so you become part of their life, and uh, there's a lot of mentorship. There's a lot of – I'm curious. I told them the other day I'm curious how this, you know, adversity that you faced um, is going to come back and help you uh, when you're my age. You know, that's what it's all about in the end. But they fire you over wins and losses. Bruce Barnum is our guest. The Portland State Vikings wrap up their season Saturday at Eastern Washington. Coverage on our sister station, 103.7. The legend gets underway at 2 with kickoff at 3. Coach, it's been a pleasure talking to you each and every week. Best of luck on Saturday, and we look forward to doing it again next year. Thanks, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll see you next season. Thanks, Coach. All right, Coach. Man. I just I don't know how you you change that message each and every week, Chad. I I, I don't. <laughs> Oregon State's going through something pretty similar right now. That's that's the challenge. It's it's not necessarily how you come back and win. It's how you keep those kids from just being absolutely miserable and feeling like they're terrible people and terrible football players. I'm glad I don't have his job. Oh and ten, and you got to continue to face your guys and try and find a way to get them ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge, man. You know, he's he's from everything we've heard, he's got the backing of the athletic department. He'll be back, and I know he wants to rebuild that thing as much as anybody. I give him credit. He still somehow manages to sound decent in conversation. If I was on ten, I'm not calling any radio station. I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. I'm on ten. I just assume no one wants to hear from me. But somehow, Coach uh, Bruce just finds a way to keep ticking. Somehow, man. Owen <laughs> ten. <laughs> Brutal. Eastern Washington Saturday, the season finale. Coverage at 2 on 103.7 The Legend. All right, coming up next, our takeaways from the NFL week number 10. Is Tyrod Taylor and the Bills involved in that? I'll tell you next, you've got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. 
It's time for the Rip City Drive. The Rip City Drive with Travis Demers and Chad Dewing on your home of the Blazers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. City Radio. All right, Trav, it's time to talk a little NFL with our biggest takeaways from week 10. I'll start with you. What's first up on your list? Well, I think the obvious one is the Dallas Cowboys are not a playoff team without Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, because does one guy make that much of a difference? Yes. You could also look at it partly that Tyron Smith was out. They've had some injuries on defense. But without a real threat at the running back position, 100% of the offense falls on the quarterback, Dak Prescott. Here's what they had in rushing yards last week. Alfred Morris, 11 carries, 53 yards. Dak Prescott, six carries, 42 yards. Rod Smith, three carries, 14 yards. Darren McFadden, one carry, minus two yards. Yes, they ran for over 100 yards and did have a touchdown in the game, but the defense doesn't have to stay honest. That A lot of those yards were in two, three, four-yard chunks here or there, and they only threw the ball for 176 yards, in, or, uh, 176 yards in that football game, Chad. So when you don't have that big play capability and the defense doesn't have to stay honest with the running back, and you've got one of, if not your best offensive lineman and potentially one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL out, you're not going to have any success offensively. You can't just throw the football. I know the Seahawks have done that at times this year, but Dallas isn't built to do that. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, but he has to have the complement of a solid running game behind him in order for him to have success. That didn't happen against the Falcons on Sunday. It's not going to happen in the next few weeks for this Cowboys team, and Right now, looking at Dallas, there is a very good chance of them sitting at 5-4. and four, They're going to be outside of the playoff picture looking in the next couple of weeks. Eagles, Chargers, and Redskins. A lot of pressure on Dak Prescott right now to make plays without Zeke. For me, number one, what the New Orleans Saints are doing right now is absolutely legit. I was impressed with how the Saints destroyed Buffalo on Sunday. They rushed for six touchdowns and 300 yards. And right now, the Saints are on pace to rush for somewhere between 23 and 2,400 yards this season. The last time they rushed for 2,000-plus was 2011. That year, they were 13-3, and lost to the Niners in a wild playoff game. Before that, it was 2009. They won the Super Bowl. Breeze made the decision to extend his time in New Orleans, and now it looks like a genius move. The Saints are playing defense, and they're running the ball, and that's the right formula for winning games in the NFL. Do not sleep on the Saints. I think you can put them with the Eagles and Rams as one of the best teams right now in the NFC. I'm, I'm happy you're coming on board with New Orleans. Obviously, in terms of the bringing down the house picks, I've been betting the Saints for a good chunk of the season. I love what they've been doing. Their defense has impressed me so much. It, the running game changes the offense, but the defense is what's made them so good. Yeah, and the proof is in the pudding. In the years they've run the ball well, they've gone deep in the playoffs and won a Super Bowl. When they haven't, they put too much pressure on Breeze. They turn it over and make mistakes. The second thing for me, Chad, is that Andrew Luck wouldn't have helped the Colts much this year. This team is just bad. I know they almost beat Pittsburgh at home. I'll get to that in a little bit. But for the Colts, Jacoby Brissett has been decent. He's thrown for over 2,000 yards. He's only turned the ball over five times this year. Hasn't 
thrown for a ton of touchdowns, just nine, but he hasn't made a lot of mistakes. Yes, he did at the end of the uh, the game against Pittsburgh, but Andrew Luck the last two years with virtually the same team, eight and eight, eight and eight. This year, they're probably a five and 11 team somewhere in that neighborhood. And while I love Andrew Luck, and I think on the right team, he is a difference maker, won 11 games in each of his first three seasons, took the Colts to an AFC championship game after beating your, your Broncos in Denver. If you don't surround your quarterback with decent enough players, you're not going to be very good. Luck, the only thing that he does is takes this this year's team from being maybe a 5-11 and 11 team to a 7-9 and nine team. Nothing more than that. And I think, again, this goes back to the front office not putting enough stock in what your offense can do with your offensive line. They haven't done anything with the defensive line. They let players walk in free agency, and they've put too much on the shoulders of their quarterback. That's not why he's injured. But Jacoby Brissett is not the reason why the Colts suck this year. It's because their team is terrible, and Andrew Luck would not have made them any better. Well, they're following the plan that you would want them to follow. They have a new GM this year, Chris Ballard, who is focused on tanking, tanking the season off because he's trying to retool this team and build it around Andrew Luck. Uh, The only point of contention I would have, you said Andrew Luck was a difference maker. I think he's much more than that. I think he's an absolute franchise quarterback, and they made the right move. There's no need to risk his shoulder any further. Rest him, and I'm sure that Ballard went to Luck and his dad and said, look, this is a lost season, but here's my plan. This is what we're going to do, and next year it's going to be a totally different team. And they're in a great spot, like we've talked about before, Trav, where they're taking off the season. They're going to have a top-five pick, and with that, they don't need a quarterback. So you ship out your spot to a team that needs a quarterback, and then you haul in in the draft and get a bunch of picks to retool the offensive line, the defense, and everything else. Yeah, and what you mentioned with the Broncos, uh, I think it was last week, is that you're going to have a top five pick in each of the next six rounds after that. And the, the front of the second, front of the third round is where you make your money. If you can spin that and get a couple of picks, get an offensive lineman, get a linebacker, get some safety help, get a defensive end, this Colts team could be back relatively quickly. Yeah, especially with a quarterback like that. I think it's, for me, it's Brady. Rodgers, and an Andrew Luck. I think he's that good. I just, I just think he's a stud. And he just hasn't healed as quickly as they thought. Hopefully he'll be 100% ready to go next year because the NFL's better when we have great quarterbacks to watch. Um, Eric was right. Sean McVay, Trav, is a genius. And he told me, Eric, to keep an eye on him before the year. And look at what the Rams are doing right now. They bring in McVay. They're 7-2. and two. They haven't lost a road game. And they're getting it done on both sides of the ball. McVay's best move was hiring Wade Phillips. Son of bum has turned the defense around and the offense right now one of the best. The Rams have scored 30 or more in six of their nine games. Jared Goff is making plays, and McVay has got Todd Gurley heavily involved in that offense. And keep this in mind, five teams in the league right now haven't scored 30 once this year, but the Rams have done it six times. Not only are the Rams a surprise, but they're also one of the best teams in football. Legit threat in the NFC. McVay is a great coach and one of the best play callers in the game. I think he's a genius, and... I'll tell you what, it's pretty impressive to, to take over for what Jeff Fisher had. Virtually the same group of guys, tweak a few things, get uh, Wade Phillips, and now look at him. Legit Super Bowl contender. It's amazing. I really like what they've done, man. I just, I, 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 I still can't get over Jared Goff on the road in the playoffs, though. And until I see it, I'm going to have a well, hard time. Well, he hasn't time. played a road playoff exactly. game. Exactly. But they have 30 points, six of their nine games. Yeah. That's legit. And that's with Jared Goff. And they have Todd Gurley. Look, it's hard to picture the Rams. They're the Rams. But McVay, gosh, he's good. And he hired Wade Phillips. That right there, anytime a coach is willing to surround himself with great men like Wade, it tells me right there he's smart. What's next up for you? 
The Pittsburgh Steelers are one injury on defense away from leaving the Patriots as the only team with a shot in the AFC. We right? don't want that. No, we don't. I, I can't see anybody other than Pittsburgh or New England reaching the Super Bowl this year from the AFC. I just can't. And I can't see Pittsburgh winning a game on the road in New England in the playoffs. So for Pittsburgh, they've got to get it done. They've won their last couple of games, three of their last four. Uh, they've won four in a row, but three of those last four on the road at Kansas City, at Detroit, and at Indianapolis. All three of those wins were by less than a touchdown, but now their defense is starting to get beat up. They have multiple injuries on defense. Joe Hayden is hurt. One more guy goes down. And they are in a dangerous spot playing Tennessee next weekend. They still have the Patriots, which, as you alluded to earlier, is the most December important 17th. game. December 17th. That's the most important game left in the AFC this year. If Pittsburgh can't recover defensively and get some of those guys back, they don't even have a chance. And once again, we're staring at Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and we can all vomit again. Um, how often have we said over the last few years that this is the year that Jacksonville turns it around? <laughs> Every year? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. They're a playoff team. They're going to make the playoffs this year. And going into the season, the Jags had a simple formula that Travis and I talked about. Rely on their great defense and run the football with Leonard Fournette. In other words, you don't put the game or put Blake Bortles in a position to lose the game for you. When Tom Coughlin rejoined the Jags, we knew what his MO was. Great coach, great football mind, and a philosophy in building a tough team that defends and runs the ball. They added Clayus Campbell during free agency, uh, an incredible defensive lineman. They got Marcel Darius before the deadline. And guess which team leads the NFL in rushing? It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this one on Sunday was nice against the Chargers because it came on a day when they didn't win, run the ball well, and yet they found a way to win. They're not pretty. They're not great. But the Jags are doing a lot of the things the right way. Finally, Jacksonville is back. They're going to be a playoff team. And a lot of that credit goes to Tom Coughlin. And make no mistake about it. Great coaches. Great minds. They turn things around. Tom Coughlin once again doing it again with Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm glad the Giants got rid of him. That was smart. Some guys are just like that. Like, I can guarantee you a couple of things. One, when Tom Coughlin comes in, he's going to build a winner. When you hire Wade Phillips as your defensive coordinator, he's going to turn it around. There are just some guys that have a knack for doing a good yeah. job. Same thing with Bill Parcells. Wherever he went, Giants, Jets, Patriots, he built a winner. Why? Because he's, he's Bill Parcells. Some guys just have a knack for it. And Tom Coughlin is... You got to respect him. I don't know why, after two Super Bowls, they didn't respect him enough in New York. Look, Tom Coughlin made Boston College a top 10 team. He took over the expansion Jaguars, and in what, their third or fourth year, something like that, they were 14 and two hosting the AFC championship game before they lost that one. Uh, I forget who they were. I, th I think it was Tennessee, maybe they lost to in that game. Uh, but you're, you're talking about a guy who is, has a proven track record of not just being good, but great and now the jacksonville has him they just need a quarterback the portland trailblazers have a lot to be excited about with their man in the middle and the great pat williams is going to tell you why next it's a rip city drive with travis and chad here on your home of the blazers rip city radio the rip city drive with travis and chad <laughs> sucks to be you man now back to the show with travis and chad on rip city radio our next guest is one of the most accomplished men I have ever spoken with. He has authored over 100 books. He's a radio host, a motivational speaker, and a long career in sports, as you know. Former general manager, now senior VP with the Orlando Magic. It's Pat Williams joining the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Pat, haven't spoken with you in a couple of years. How is your health and how is your family? Well, first of all, my health is good. I was diagnosed 
with multiple myeloma about seven years ago. Yes. Uh, it's one of the blood cancers, uh, but the doctors are telling me that they don't see any signs of it. I, I go by how I feel, and I feel good, and my energy level is good. And so I'm, I'm very grateful that uh, we, we've made the progress that we have in the, with this disease, but I'm doing well. Second question, the family's good. My uh, 19 children have all grown up. Uh, they're all adults, and uh, right now we're uh, having a good time with 17 grandchildren. That is awesome. You know, I, I told Travis, my uh, partner here, he, he just got married, and now he and his wife are expecting their first child. And I said, look, if oh. you have questions about dad time, <laughs> Pat is your man. Yes, sir. You tell that young man to call me anytime, and I'll, I'll set him straight there. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you had one thing to tell me, I'm, I'm not a father. I have nieces and nephews. But if you had one thing that I need to keep in mind at all times with my new baby, what would you tell me? Uh, they need your time and attention. Uh, and then the big, the big issue in raising children, I'm convinced, is figuring out the right balance between love and discipline. Uh, that you've got to figure that out early. Uh, yes, children need love in big doses, but they also need to understand that uh, they are just uh, passing through the house for 18 years, <laughs> and they're going to play. They're going to play by your rules, and at 18, they're leaving the house. Uh, and they're going to college. They're going into the military, or they're going to go in the workforce. Uh, we've got a real crisis in our country right now, and it's adult children who won't leave home. <laughs> big, big, big issue. And, uh, and so you, you're really uh, getting that youngster of yours ready uh, from the time he's born or she's born, you know, to live independently starting at age 18. And uh, but but love and discipline, I've really learned that. And and the other thing is that I mentioned time kids, you know, I can still hear my children's voices. Dad, are you going to be at our game tonight? Uh, Dad, are you going to be at the swimming meet today? Uh, Dad, are you going to be watching me watching the cheerleading tonight? Uh, They really crave uh, that you're interested in them and what they're doing. We're talking with the great Pat Williams, senior VP of the Orlando Magic. I would imagine after a few lean years, how enjoyable has it been to watch this group? You know, Frank Vogel's got these young guys playing very well. We've been impressed with them so far. Yes, we've had a good start. One of the best starts we've had in a long, long time, and the city of Orlando is enjoying it. Uh, we, 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 it came out of the shoot, I mean, just remarkably. Uh, this is tonight in Portland is the fourth game of our Western trip, and uh, those trips – are never, never easy for the Eastern teams. We uh, started with a win over Phoenix and then uh, tough sledding in uh, Denver and and, uh, Golden State. So uh, we're hoping we need a win tonight. But at 8-6, it's a good start and a very competitive uh, division that we're in. Uh, But uh, our our team is, is better. We have improved a great deal. When you're going through a rough stretch like you guys have for the last five years, under 500 every one of those seasons, and you're trying to build something and, and build back the really the, the faith and, and hope from your fan base, how much of a challenge is that to, to, to go through that and know that your plan, this is what you're sticking to and that everybody has to buy into it? 
Great question, and uh, we I think we've done a good job of keeping our fans' uh, heads up above water uh, because we haven't had a lot to get excited about other than the draft lottery and, and the, the development of some young players. But our fans have been very good, very loyal. Our, our, I think our franchise is very much like Portland. Uh, we're, we're the only major show. We've got, we've got MLS soccer in both cities, but the uh, Trailblazers are the heart of Portland sports, and the Magic are the heart of Orlando sports. We've, we've got a terrifically loyal base, just like in Portland. And, uh, yeah, they rejoice with the good times, but they're, they're awfully faithful in the, in the tough times as well. I, I think there's comparison there. Hey, Pat, when, when, when the Magic signed Jonathan Simmons during the summer, I thought, wow, that, I, I thought it was one of the most underrated moves I have seen. Really enjoyed the way he played with the Spurs, especially in the postseason. What are your thoughts on what he's done so far? Well, he's been terrific. It, it, it's just been a, a, a remarkable signing for our new executive staff. You know, he, he became a free agent. We moved very quickly, signed him quickly, and uh, had seen what he did down there. His whole story is amazing. Undrafted guy who banged around different minor leagues of basketball. And yes. Then finally got a break with San Antonio and eventually showed that he could uh, definitely play in this league. Uh, right now, you know, early in the season, he's a definite candidate for sixth man of the year. He comes off the bench every night and gets you, uh, oh, anywhere from 13 to 18, 19 points. Uh, he'll grab, six, you know, five, six rebounds. Uh, he'll guard tenaciously. Uh, plays hard, plays with great energy. Uh, yes, it, it's, it, it's been a wonderful story for us. I want to get your thoughts on Evan Fournier because nobody really knows much about him. He might be the least talked about underrated scorer in the league. And considering the big contract that he signed, people didn't pay attention to him in Denver really when he got there with you guys in Orlando. Why has he been so valuable to your franchise? Well, he was, he's from France. He was drafted uh, by Denver uh, some years back, first-round pick. Uh, after a year or two, they traded him to us for Aaron Aflalo. Uh They wanted a, a more veteran presence, I guess. But uh, Evan Fournier right now is, uh, you know, uh, just below uh, uh, being an, uh, an all-star player. He comes to play every night. His shooting is uh, is terrific. Uh, he hustles. He uh, gives you great effort every night. He's a good team guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a genuine NBA player, a very, very good player. Uh, your fans will see him tonight. And, and the big thing is he got his hair cut. <laughs> you know, he, he, had, he had that little uh, European look, you know, with a ponytail and a, a, a ribbon in it and whatever. He went, but, it, but, it, but he got it all cut. And uh, so, he, so people may not recognize him, but uh, he's, he's definitely a basketball player. Hey, Pat, one of the guys we're really excited about here in Portland is uh, our young center, Yusuf Nurkic. He came over from that trade last year with Denver. And we got caught up in Nurkic fever. He played a great 20 games, and he's starting to come into form this year. I just wanted to know through your basketball eyes what you see in Nurk. Well, I see a legitimate uh, major league center. And uh, if you can get a, a young center uh, and he can play, oh, I don't know, what, eight, ten years for you, and, and then you don't have to worry about drafting a center and you don't have to worry about uh, 
trading for one. Boy, what a, what a blessing that is. Uh, we've got we've got the same situation with uh, Nikola Vukovic. You know, he's been our center now for four or five years. Uh, Denver has that big guy in uh, in the middle. Uh, Go Bear in Utah. You know, if you can find one of those big men, and interestingly enough, they all seem to be coming from other countries. That's true. Uh, it's ama- it's amazing. Uh, I I don't think we've had a outstanding center in the league coming from American colleges in years. I can't remember the last one. Hmm. You know, it's 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 uh, Embiid is uh, is from Africa. You know, it's amazing. And uh, so Portland should be very pleased. They've got a good big man there, and uh, he's he's going to be around. Looks like a rugged guy. He's going to be around a long time. Uh, Portland has a center they can build with for the next, oh, what, eight or nine years. Love that. You know, Pat, the, the way that in baseball the Houston Astros built their franchise was by not being good for a while. The same thing with the Sixers and what they're trying to do. And there's such an issue now in sports with the the evil word of tanking. Excuse me, of, of tanking. And now the, the NBA draft lottery has changed. And it, it- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It, it seems to not help out the teams that that were bad the year before as much as it used to. What was your take on the way the draft lottery changed the rules to help out different teams where they were? Well, I, I think we were pleased with it, but I don't like that word tanking. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a, a, a proper word. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the, the Sixers pioneered that word process, um, maybe a better word is strategy and trying to to build a franchise, build a good team. It's a great word. And uh, you know, how do you do that? Well, you can do it through uh, through the draft. You can do it through free agency. You can do it through trades. Uh, you can do it through uh, you know elite scouting. Uh, every now and then, you can, you can find a guy, a, a Jonathan Simmons type, for example. You know that can really help you. Uh, but that's how you build a team. And, and yes, you're going to have some lean years. Uh, but I don't, I, don't, I don't call it tanking. I call it building or I call it a strategy. I uh, use, use that Philly word process. And uh, how else are you going to do it? You know, what else can you do to, to build a competitive team? That, that's how I view it. He is the senior VP of the Orlando Magic, a uh, motivational speaker, an author. He's done so many wonderful things and a great family man. It's Pat Williams here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Check out his website, patwilliams.com. Hey, Pat, we, uh, as always, appreciate your time. And it's just great to catch up with you. And very happy to hear that your health is strong and that your family and your grandchildren are well, too. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, Feb 1, Feb 1, uh, I have a book coming out. Another one, it's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. Hmm. Uh, it'll be the fourth book I've done on Coach Wooden. And I'd love to be able to chat with you about it, uh, you know, when it comes out after Feb 1. Does that sound, does that sound possible? Oh, absolutely. I'll have uh, our producer get in touch with you. And, uh, you know, I've had a chance to uh, 
to know a couple of guys here in Portland who spent time with Coach Wooden working in his camps. And I love the stories, and I can't wait to hear about his forgotten teams because he's one of the most um, amazing human beings I've ever read about and had a chance to, uh, to learn from. Well, the forgotten teams are, the, are his teams in the summertime at his summer camps. Awesome. And he coached, he coached in that setting. He was very hands-on. He was there every day, touched thousands of young lives you you know, know, through those camps and dozens of, of uh, counselors and, and, and teachers. Yes. There. In fact, two of the guys I'm thinking of right now, uh, Brad Barbrick, who is a basketball coach at Concordia here in Portland, worked at his camps. And then former Blazer Michael Holton, who's now a broadcaster with the team. Uh, uh, Michael mm. Holton told me, Pat, that, that uh, he would swing by uh, Coach Wooden's, uh, you know, condo to pick him up for the camp. And he was always out there on the curb five minutes before their meeting time. He was never late, not once. And he was always standing on the curb waiting for uh, Michael Holton to pick him up to go to camp. He was so you know, I, I wish I, I wish I had I wish I had gotten a hold of Michael Holton before we finished the book. Uh, that's a neat little story. Yeah. Uh, but I but I did track down you know a long long list of uh, of people. I think you'll enjoy the book. You know it was it was Coach Wooden at his probably at his teaching best. You know in those summer camps he he loved doing that. So we'll we'll get a copy of the book to you. All right, Pat. Love you. T- take care and uh, keep doing what you do. Be a blessing, my friend. Thank you, friend. God bless. Bye bye. Travis, I love Pat Williams. I thought he yep. gave you terrific advice. He did. As someone who's newly married, and you've got your first child on the way. Time with your kids. And I was thinking about that when he was talking about it, because one of the things I appreciate most about my dad, I mean, he worked like every dad did. Yeah. But whenever I needed him or wanted him to be around for an event, he always seemed to be there. He was always there when I needed him, even though he was busy like most dads are. I thought that was cool, but also... That balance, and I struggle with this today with both Isaac and Kaylee, between the proper amount of love and yet making sure the discipline is there so they understand what's right, what's wrong, you know, walking the right path. It's tough. Yeah, I think about that a lot, you know, what, uh, how you're going to handle certain situations because you, you don't want your kids to, to say those words, I hate you. And I think most kids at some point have said that to their parents for one reason or another. I got that, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm sure you said it to your parents. I, I can't remember a specific time, but I'm sure I said that to my parents at some time. And you want your kids to love you, but you want to make sure you, you don't uh, smother them too much and put them in a situation where they can't handle uh, authority and they can't handle discipline. What would you say is your biggest fear or concern? You know, because you've had time to think about it now. It's like, it's not, I would imagine in your mind, it's probably not quite real yet, but you're thinking like, wow, I'm going to be a dad. I've got a child on the way. I've got to provide and protect and care for and lead this youngster. What's your biggest concern or fear right now? Yeah, I can tell you what my wife's biggest concern is for for me. If you haven't noticed this yet, Chad, I I have a tendency sometimes to be just a tad absent-minded and a little forgetful. Like today, I forgot my glasses at home. Uh, you don't realize how much you need your glasses until until you don't have them. And forgetting your glasses at home, that's no big deal. So you just go through the day and you're a little blurry. But uh, if you forget your baby somewhere or you go into a store and, oh, crap, I left the baby in the cart. No, I'm not going to do that. But I think my, my wife is concerned. She said that a couple of times. Like, oh, what are you going to do when we have a child and it's in the car and you forget about it? Like, I'm not going to do that. But just knowing, just, I feel like I... 
my child is going to be fragile when it's it's first born. I've been around babies, but not like newborn, newborn, newborn babies. They are fragile. There's no question about it. And I, I'm I'm nervous to handle my newborn baby. <sighs> my, I think I, well, I shared the story with you. Remember during the summertime, I went out to that fireworks show out in Beaverton. Yeah. In the middle of a neighborhood out there. I can't remember. Was it Oak Hill? One of the neighborhoods out there in Beaverton went Is out it there. Orenko? I can't remember the name of the neighborhood, but they had that huge fireworks show. Yeah. And I lost Isaac. It was dark. There were a ton of people around. Couldn't find him. And there was about a three-hour period where I had no idea where he was at. And right as the cops were starting to disperse to go search for him, he called. He found his way to the Arco station, which surprised me because he hates Arco gas. But yet he made the phone call. That freaked me out. That was the only time I have ever lost a child for a short period of time. That freaked me out. But, yeah, I thought that was great advice from Pat. And he's got 19 kids, 19 children, so he's qualified. Can God you imagine bless him. that? God bless him. <laughs> How many of those were adopted? Do, do we know? Um, I don't know the exact number. There are a large portion. You know, he's, uh, he's definitely humanitarian, but yeah. he made an effort. They wanted to go out and rescue children who were in need and take care of them. So I, I admire him work. for that. I will say this about the Blazers tonight. I've said now several times that, you know what, Travis? I just don't know what team's going to show up tonight. And I got to thinking about that today. That's a lie. I know exactly what to expect from the Blazers based on what I've seen over the last couple of years. They won big against Denver on Monday. So based on their current pattern, they'll probably show up tonight, not play their best, and they'll be in a position to lose this game at the end. I hate to say that, but I'm done saying, you know what, I don't know what to expect. I know exactly what to expect. Inconsistency. Orlando's a good team, man. You can't take Orlando lightly. They have a, they have a better record than 500. They're on the fourth game of a four-game road trip. They want to go back home with a victory. They've got good scores. They've got a good center, uh, good perimeter defense. This team isn't the kind of team that – they're not Brooklyn, okay? And even Brooklyn beat you. A couple of nuggets for you on the Magic. They are second behind the Warriors in three-point uh, shots made percentage-wise. So they're going to shoot threes. They average about 30 a game. And then they're also one of the best in the league at defending the three-point line. They're the worst when it comes to giving up points in the paint. So this could be a night for Yusuf Nurkic to Give it get to the off. big fella. Or just play at Davis for the whole fourth quarter, whichever. But this is an opportunity for Nurk to get off. Uh, but for the Blazers, I just want to see them duplicate the effort we saw on Monday. That's what, it. What do you want to see from Biggie tonight? Should he start like we're all expecting him to? More of the same. Great energy, great effort on the boards, uh, creating opportunities on the offensive glass for he and his teammates, and just learning the NBA game, adjusting to the officials, and learning how to stay out of foul trouble. He fouled out in his first start. I think he's going to start tonight, and that's part of the adjustment for a youngster, Trav, learning how to deal with the officials because you, you have to adapt to how the game's being called. And when you're young and aggressive like Biggie, that's tough to do. It's it's hard to necessarily expect improvement every single game. So what are we are we going to see a better performance tonight than last night? Maybe because he had his first start under his belt. Oh, you're talking about Biggie and not the team. Yeah, I'm talking I'm talking about Biggie. Oh, I think we'll see something better from him. Right, but yeah. but how much and how quickly is that going to come? And that's what I want to see from him because the the more playing time that he gets and the longer that Al Farouk Aminu is out, the more opportunities that he's going to get. So however long it is, if it's another week, another two weeks, God forbid, longer than that. However long it is that Caleb Swanigan is starting or that Al Farouk Aminu is out, I want to see him be a better player and a significantly better player because playing time matters at this point. There's no question about his work ethic. There's no question about the motor, any of that stuff. 
but applying it on the floor and how quickly can you get better? Yeah, and I think that just comes with time. The more experience he gets, he'll get more comfortable game to game. And he's a pretty high IQ guy, but I love his work ethic. Man, the guy busts his ass. And, and we need that type of player on this team. And he's tough. He brings some toughness. And I like seeing him in there next to Nurkic. It's cool. So that I'll have warm-up for you coming up at 5. But last night, the rankings were released. What was the most significant thing that the committee put out there that Travis saw? He'll tell you next. It's a Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio 620. We've all thrown down a couple of bucks on a game, right? Uh, you know, win some, lose some. But Travis and Chad take it a step further. I got a Hawaii game. I'm not degenerate, but I'm a Hawaii game. It's time for the Degenerate Dime of the Day on the Rip City Drive. Brought to you by DPI Solar. Imagine if you never had to pay an electricity bill again. Visit dpisolar.com. Two days in, Chad, you are in the lead at 1-0-1 this week. You took the, what, the, the uh, Celtics last night pl- uh, minus the seven and pushed? No, I took Brooklyn plus seven and got the push. Uh, either way, you got the push. Uh, I took Kansas minus four against Kentucky. Kansas won, uh, Kansas minus five. They won by four, so I lost. So I'm 0-2 this week. And our listener, Mark, last night took the Raptors plus the six and a half, and he got the win. Outright dog win for our listener. Nice yeah. uh, work for him. And I guess no longer can I be called the uh, Bruce Barnum of the Degenerate Dime of the Day because I got off the schneid. How long had it been? Long enough. I, I'm not going to keep track of such numbers. I just know it had been a long time, so it felt good to get off the schneid. But, yeah, I'll take the push. At this point, I'll take the push because in the world of Vegas, a push, no money coming out of your pocket. Did you delete last week from the standings? No, I corrected all of the mistakes um, from my shoddy bookmaking. Okay. Oh, I see, I see where it is. Okay, I was just looking at the wrong spot because on my and I app- added I added our listener last week with his four and run record to our list. There you go. So he's up there. All right, tonight listener Mark is going to take the Bucks minus four and a half against the Detroit Pistons. I need a win. I'm going Oklahoma City at home minus twelve against the Bulls, who are horrendous. They've got to blow them out at home, don't they? I hope you would think so. I'll take. You know what? Going back to what I just said, I know what to expect from the Blazers. Inconsistency. Give me the Magic plus five tonight. So what happens now if the Blazers win? The other night you said if they lose, you're not going to pick for them anymore. I'll still pick for them if they get the win tonight. Okay. It, this is kind of like one of those situations where it's called like, uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, Reverse psychology? Yeah, what's the word? I, there's a word I use for it. Um, yeah, so either way, I win tonight. If I pick the Magic and they win, I get the dime. If the Blazers blow them out, I'm happy. So either way, I win. Okay. You're covering both ends there. Yeah, so it's like I either get the dime or the Blazers actually shock me and play good basketball tonight and put together back-to-back good wins. I'd like to see it. We haven't seen it this year? No, no, we haven't. The win over the Suns and the Pacers to start the year, but that's like, meh. But outside of that, it's been one good game, one bad game. A couple of bad games, one good game. That's how they are, and I'm going to assume that's the way they're going to be until they prove me differently. All right, last night we saw the college football playoff rankings come out, Chad. And what stood out to me the most, and we talked about this before the show, it was going to be where does Wisconsin land on this? Because we knew they weren't going to be in the top four, but where were they outside of the top four? And they were number five. They were ahead of Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, they were ahead of Auburn. They were ahead of Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State. They were ahead of all of those teams. And I think that's really telling to the way the committee is going to angle things the end of the year if they do happen to go undefeated, beat Ohio State, and win the conference title. So what does that tell you when you're looking at Wisconsin? What do you think that means? 
what I think it means is right now the committee values the fact that they are undefeated ahead of Auburn, who has two losses. And they weren't going to put Auburn, even though they have two losses and Georgia has one, they weren't going to put Auburn behind Georgia because of the way that they handled Georgia on Saturday. So where does Wisconsin stack in all of that? Wisconsin still really hasn't beaten anybody. Their best win right now is over Northwestern, who's number 23. And with that being their only good win right now, they still have Michigan this week. They still have the conference championship game against Ohio State. They've already clinched their spot there. If they get through the next couple of weeks and win the conference title and beat Ohio State, the committee told you last night they're putting Wisconsin in. And just to clarify, you don't care about the four best teams. You want the four most deserving teams. Right, because even if Auburn loses to Alabama in a close game, I still think they're one of the four best teams in the country, but they're not deserving with three losses. How is Wisconsin deserving undefeated with their only quality win being on a neutral site field against Ohio State? Well, it depends on what you consider a quality win. Do you consider beating Michigan a quality win? No. So you're not going to use that in Ohio State's defense then if Ohio State ends up winning out and and getting to the playoff with two losses no okay so in that context where's alabama's quality win they got one they got one quality win on the road at mississippi state last week and i've told you if the committee leaves alabama with one loss out i'm okay with that because if you look at their track record this year they don't have the resume that stacks up to some of the other teams that are in there but alabama's always going to get the preferential treatment from the committee because they're basing it off a of pedigree. Do you consider a win over any team at all that is ranked a quality win? Yeah. Then the Northwestern, by that definition, is a quality win for Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that's a good win. I don't know how quality Northwestern is, but yeah, for their schedule, that's the only win they have because okay. they haven't played anybody. Okay. In my opinion, if you were in a power conference, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, and you finished the season undefeated, whether you scheduled cupcakes or not, and you won your conference championship, and you beat a top 10 team in your conference championship game. I don't care who it is. You you belong in the playoff. Not, okay, I understand what you're saying. That's fine. I, I Like I've said before, I'm just not, I don't think Wisconsin's deserving of Jack this year. And they're an exception to the rule because their schedule just played out perfectly for them. They didn't have to play Penn State. They didn't have to play Ohio State, and they get Michigan at home. And they have a win over Northwestern. That to me, and they scheduled nobody in the out in their in their out of conference schedule. You don't think that the win if they do beat Ohio State in the conference championship game, you don't think that matters? Yes, it matters, but I don't think it matters compared to some of the other teams and who they've played and their resumes compared to Wisconsin's. Because all the games they've won, outside of the one game you mentioned against Northwestern, those games mean nothing to me. I, I they, they won games that they should win. Because they played nobody. So I just don't know how much weight I can put on a team being undefeated if they haven't really had a difficult schedule. I understand that. And that, that's, it's a fair argument. But winning 13 games in a season without losing, whoever you are, whatever level you are, is difficult to do. So they credit put UCF in because they're going to be undefeated too. Yeah, the, the difference is, though, is that while UCF is in a, a lower conference and Wisconsin's schedule isn't great, UCF's schedule is crap. I mean, it's, it's not even close to the garbage schedule that Wisconsin has. That's true, but Wisconsin is playing the likes of Illinois or Nebraska. There are some bad teams in the Big Ten. There are, but that win over Ohio State, should they get it at the end of the year? And they win the conference. They win the conference that has Penn State and Michigan State and Ohio State. You win the conference. Even if you don't have to play those teams, you win that conference. That matters. And in the definition 
by the college football playoff committee. Doesn't say anything about best teams. Doesn't say anything about the most deserving teams. It says they look at conference championships, strength of schedule. But they uh, didn't last year because Penn State won the conference and they didn't even get but in. But th that's not a determining factor. That is part of the equation, but it's not, well, you didn't win a conference championship, so you're not getting in. That's not a determining factor, but it is a big part of the equation. So if you're looking at Wisconsin, a 13-0 Wisconsin with a win over Ohio State, and an 11-1 Alabama who doesn't win their conference championship, doesn't play in the conference championship, and has one good win on their schedule, you're going to give the bid there to Wisconsin at that point. They might. They might. I think they will. Against Alabama, one loss? They probably will. I'm just not okay with it. And the reason why is because you and I both agree, and this is where we defer. We both agree that Wisconsin is not one of the four best teams in the country. I don't think they are. No, I think they would lose to any of the teams right now that are in the top four and even with a couple of teams that are behind them. But those, those other teams didn't take care of business. Regardless of what the schedule was, they lost a couple of games. Auburn lost two games. They had no business blowing that 20 to nothing lead to LSU. Well, if Auburn was playing Wisconsin's schedule, they wouldn't have dropped a couple of games. Yeah, probably not. So that's my own. I mean, that's where we defer. You want the four most deserving. I want the four best, regardless of record. Just give me the four best teams, because now if Wisconsin runs the table and gets in, we have three of the best teams and one team that is there as a result of their schedule. I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, it, it is. But if, if they do run the table, that knocks Ohio State out. What happens with Alabama? Do they beat Auburn and knock Auburn out? Do they then beat Georgia and knock Georgia out in that equation? Does Auburn beat Alabama? Does Auburn beat Georgia? How does all of this stuff happen? What happens in the ACC title game between Clemson and, and Miami? So you think Wisconsin undefeated as Big Ten champ is more deserving than Alabama with a road win at Auburn and a close loss to Georgia in the SEC title game? I do. Do your job. Well, Wisconsin can do their job because they haven't played anybody. A little easier, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but Alabama's schedule is not great. Give us eight teams and we don't have to worry about this garbage. Give us eight. Give us eight sooner rather than later. Give it about three or four years and I think you'll see that. I hate to think it's going to take that long with as much money as yeah. there is to be made here. This was a 12-year deal. It's not going to last 12 years. All right, coming up next, Chad has Blazers warm-up for you as the Blazers get set to take on the Magic Wheels. Back in the chair for game number two. He'll have the call tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll see you tomorrow at 3 for a full show. you got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.